want is an opportunity. This is America, ain't it? Who the fuck's stopping you? This is Bootlegging, where each week we will discuss HBO's original series, Boardwalk Empire. Grab a glass of your favorite libation, and let's do a little chin-wagging. And we are back for episode four of the uh, season four, episode four of uh, Boardwalk Empire. Wow, this uh, season is going fast for me already. Um, we are here with a special guest. Uh, Chris is unable to make it. Uh, Agent Michael Shannon has taken him hostage again. So uh, we have a very special guest on all the way from uh, oh my God! I'm going to be such an American on this. I can't remember. Is it England, the United Kingdom, Europe? It's all the same to me, and I am a all horrible person. Them. All three of them are the same. It's Lazarus. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Yeah, yeah. Good to be back. Thank you. Yeah, lo- uh, well, I'm from London, but I live in Oxford, England, UK, Britain, Europe. All of them. <laughs> the it's all time. one. Okay. At the same time. I yeah. am s- such an American. I guess that makes sense. I'm in Houston. Texas, which is in the United States, in America. So I guess that makes more sense if I look at it that way. Yeah. I think. <laughs> uh, man, thank you so much for being on. Uh, you were on last season, um, and he gave us an amazing um, time. He, We had a lot of fun having you on. Uh, what has been going on with you over there? Uh, it's all good, man. I mean, to be honest, we've just been preparing – we're off touring soon, so we uh, play with the I play bass in the Jack J Hutchinson band, um, and we're doing a month touring in Brazil in September. Then we go to Spain oh, three nice. weeks in October, just touring the new album, which comes out. So yes, we've got a new album out. It's called Who Feeds the Wolf by Jack J Hutchinson, and it comes out on October eighteenth. And uh, we're all really stoked. We're just preparing for the tours, uh, preparing for the album launch, and um, yeah, man, just working all things music at the moment. So all going well. Nice. I just I, I actually listened uh, two nights ago. You all had a a, a, a second single release, right? Um, did, yeah, haunted uh, bones. That's it. I was like bones, something bones, haunted bones. Man, that was good. That shit. It goes a lot yeah, heavier than yeah. the other one that you had released. <laughs> I yeah, like exactly. that. That's. Well, we joined him, so we, myself and Felipe, the drummer, we joined him as um, session musicians, and then we just magically became part of the band. And um, oh, nice! And anyway, so yeah, you know, bringing different kinds of music to the table. I always played heavy metal when I was a when I was a teenager, and so I brought that, you know, we, we, by what we listened to in the car on tour. And so we've all kind of just chipped in, and Jack's written this really heavy record, and it sounds really good. So if you like heavy stuff mixed with blues and Americana stuff, then an album for you <laughs> nice no i'm definitely I, like i said i've been following it i'd never heard of y'all until uh meeting you and i'm so happy i found it it's an amazing like so far what i'm hearing it's great music so i love it um <clears throat> all right so we're gonna go ahead and get into it uh we're gonna go ahead and uh, we've gotten a couple storylines broken down um nucky agent michael shannon uh chalky and willie <clears throat> And so I'm going to go ahead and let's say let's start with um, probably because over the course of this whole and this is going to be kind of a spoiler alert. But over the course of this season, one of my favorite storylines is going to be Chalky. And so um, I want to go ahead and start with him just because I love we we had so little Chalky last season. He was always and then a side this season, character, wasn't he? Like he always exactly. did things to help out when he was needed, when he could enhance the story. But it never sort of revolved around him. 
and now we start seeing a season, not not just an episode, but a whole season revolving around Chalky. Right, exactly. So, and this is great. So I'm going to go ahead and start with him then. Um, so as we got introduced the last episode, and I can never pronounce her name. I just keep calling her daughter. Um, it's I can ne- remember her last her name. It's or her, I think it's both names. She goes by daughter. May, uh, Maitland. Ma- Maitland. So um, we see that there's obviously some stuff. Like not going on between them or anything like that, but he definitely is like has a little thing for her. He's interested, um, isn't he? He's, he's interested. I don't think he's ever met. Definitely like interested. Um, I don't think so either because she obviously is. She's and it's not like that. His wife isn't sophisticated or anything like that. But she's artistic. She sings. She's. I mean, she's very beautiful. Yeah. And she's just got something else about her. She has this kind of empowered like presence. If that makes any sense. With some mysticism uh, as well. Exactly. And so we do see like a little bit of like kind of flirting is how I have it in my notes, but I don't know. It's kind of like middle school flirting where like you like, oh, I'm going to be rude to her and there she, then she's going to like me or something. That's kind of yeah, how. It's like a, a sophisticated have... flirting there. Um, they're trying to figure each other <laughs> out. They're trying to work out what the other's in for and if, if a relationship like this would work. <laughs> Right. <laughs> that, that, and that's that's really kind of what it is. Uh, and to be honest, like that's kind of all his story for this episode. I mean, because then we also have Dunn's, which is oh, I, I, Dunn's has a much bigger part for this episode because um, we're seeing more of his story now developing. Uh, Dunn's and Chalky obviously have this weird history. You have the all the way from was that season one? Was Dunn's introduced? Was it season one or season two? I think it could have been season two because they were in prison together, weren't they? Um, when right. Chucky got thrown in, uh, I, I have a feeling was it was early two. season two. It was season two. two. Yeah, was it? That's it. Okay, so um, their first meeting obviously is a bit. It's a big episode, but it's you at that point you never think you're going to see him again, and then obviously we see him more and more and more to the point where it's he's basically Chalky's right hand man at this point. Yeah, yeah, and sure. but yet they don't like each other, which is weird. But it's not okay. I, I say that half hazardly because I think it's more that Chalky doesn't trust him necessarily, but Chalky also doesn't distrust him. He doesn't like Chalky at all. But he's basically kind of working this in that it's, you know, I guess like his way to make it further. I, I, I don't know how else to describe it. I think we see a lot of this in this episode. I mean, obviously, I think we're going to come talk on to Maya Lansky, but he makes steps in his career in this episode. And uh, I think I mean, this whole episode, look, you've got people and characters who are all making steps and going further than they have before. Like you said, you've got Dunpernsley pushing the boundaries of who his actual boss is. You got Mylansky. We'll talk maybe later about how he yeah. uh, goes forward in his career, and you got Eddie as well, who's um, as we're going to talk about takes bigger and bolder jobs from Nucky. Right, and that's actually something I completely forgot to ask you on this. Uh, we are jumping around in this episode a little bit. The name of the episode is All In, um, and you're already like touching on that a little bit on what I took from the title. So. Uh, the 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 previous episodes have had kind of a weird little <clears throat> a weird um 
they have the, the titles haven't always made sense. Whereas yeah. this one is all in, and I feel like, and you're kind of touching on that very well. A lot of people ma- kind of basically make an all in statement, and Duns is kind of is definitely one of those uh, storylines in this. He was kind of in between Chalky, he was kind of in between Narcisse, but by the end of this episode, we're seeing he's basically all in for Narcisse. Yeah. Um, I mean, to the point that I don't know, and well, okay, and we'll like we'll get into this in a moment. Uh, so he he's meeting with Narcisse. It's kind of a it, it's kind of a weird uh, setup because he lies to Chalky about what like where he's going. It's something about his mom being sick or something yeah, like that. Yeah. <laughs> and he goes to New York to the uh, the I don't know is it a college that Narcisse has or is it just his own education like. Um, company yeah. like um, it's establishment. It seemed to me like a religious center, just straight off. Because again, I've come, I've come in just like last episode. I haven't done a watch of Boardwalk for about a year, so um, right. I've come in again and I've just watched the episode on its own. So I don't have the full context from the first three episodes. But he's very. I get, I get the idea. It's a kind of like an AA group, but for religious black people because he. He's trying to. That's his job, isn't he? He's trying to empower more black people in America at that time. Right. But um, he does it, I think, by inciting hate on on the white man, as he says. Um, so yeah, so I have a feeling it's like a. Yeah, I can't describe it like a religious center where he goes to empower what he calls his people. Right. Well, and that's like my thing on it is like uh, so, it, and I don't know if you know this or not. Like in America, we have what they call is. Um, what is it? and I can never say the name correctly. Um, it's H, it's um, HBCs. Okay. Uh, it's, it's historical historical black colleges. Um, oh. and so like uh, Morehouse is one. Um, there's a couple of really famous colleges that were uh, when they were built. It was they were built for um, African Americans for uh, the black community at that time, and so they're still in this in this day and time. They're a big big part of the African American community um everybody like i mean it's they're they're very good they're very good schools right and i kind of feel like that's almost kind of like what he's trying to do maybe establish but i can't i'm just a little confused by it is all um but i agree with you fully it's definitely right and i definitely agree with you like fully it's definitely not just in an empowerment um, for his people, it's also an empowerment for his people. And by the way, these are not like good people. Don't trust them. Well, it's funny you because know? he he promotes all that goodness and stuff, doesn't he? You know, when when Dumpernsley turns up at the office, he says to him, um, he doesn't want to discuss business there, and he says, "This is a place where I do God's work or something." And um, which is and such Dump- bullshit. I know. And, but then you got him <laughs> when they do the meeting after. He going to this place where he talks about uh, Pernsley selling his uh, his heroin. So it's just huge hypocritical um, statements from Narcisse because he, he's saying, I don't want to talk about this in a holy place, but then he's happy to do it at another location. So, yeah, just very... Well, but he's, he's a hypocrite, though, on that, on that part, even because I don't know if you uh, remember or not, um, the episode before this, he meets with Rothstein to discuss heroin in that very room. So oh, he really? discusses oh, that with Rothstein. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he's even more hypocritical. He's even more of a hypocrite because his because <laughs> in that episode he's talking about uh, the empowerment of the black man and all this, but then Rossing comes in with the um, the the offer for the heroin and he's like, "So I can sell it to my community." Essentially, it's like, "So you're bringing your own community down." I was like, "Dude, yeah. you're 
You're such a bad, <laughs> such a hypocrite on all this. And it's coming out, and this is kind of where it's coming out of who Narcisse is. He is he he's a very interesting character. I mean, that's he's. I said this in episode two of this podcast. Um, uh, Jeffrey Wright is the actor's name. Love this guy. Like he's yeah. a very good actor, and I love this character. This character is a very interesting character to me. He's something different than what Jip was last season. Um, yeah, it was. I mean, but like I said, I, when I said at the end of last season, Jip is. Um, I, f- I find the whole season actually to be very, very weird this season four because whereas you've got yes. seasons one and two is almost, well, they are uh, following Nucky and Nucky's business dealings, and it, it is all about Nucky, seasons one and two. Season three is still about Nucky, but it's about Nucky overcoming a villain. I think I said this on the last episode, Jit is an out-and-out villain, right. and there haven't been any out-and-out villains in season one and two. Season four jumps around so much between all the storylines that it almost, it, it doesn't cease to be about Nucky, but Nucky isn't necessarily the most important character in every episode anymore. No. And season four is almost a commentary of what's going on in America at that times in the sort of organized crime divisions of each state right. and stuff. So it's very odd. It's it's a very different season. And even, you know, season five was different as well. But it, yeah, season four just, I don't any, I don't by any means mean it's out of place because it's still amazing. It just has a very different vibe to it. No, absolutely, and this and this is a, a prime, and and we'll discuss this throughout this. I mean, that this is that's going to be a repetitive statement we're going to make throughout this whole season. Right, is yeah. how much different, and it, and it's talked about. You can go on Reddit, you can go on even AV Club at the time. So I normally go on AV Club uh, to read about what people thought at the time when this first aired, right. because they would release like their their view of that episode. And if you go on AV Club, it, they're already sitting there saying like. Why does this feel different? You know, yeah. it, it was even when this first aired, people were like, no, this is it's something's different. And it's not it's not a bad thing. It's just it's not what you're used to with this show. It's very different. And yeah. it's a very it's a very differently filmed um, show at this point. And it, it, in both filming and writing structure, just storytelling, everything. It um, really is. Yeah. <clears throat> and, um, it's really hard to put on why that is. It's hard to figure it out because. It still has everything we love about the show, but I'll tell you what I noticed is the amount, I don't want to count this and say it wrong, but I feel like every other episode this season, we have three minutes dedicated to watching Daughter sing a song. It's quite a common theme throughout oh. the season, um, where she will have a few minutes that. of, yeah, because, um, yeah, I don't want to, say, I don't I, want to overstate it more than it is, but, um, I just feel that, that there's definitely more singing and I kind of wonder, this whole season, you know, I think Chalky is the main character of season four, and I can't help but think that including all the songs that Daughter sings and all of his storylines, it's it's essentially like a a blues narrative, you know, like the old blues, and um, just uh-huh. the story of blues music is that it's about uh, people overcoming hardships, and I right. really think the music in this season is used really well, just completely different to the others, whereas you know in seasons one, two, and three, you right. have clips of that... Um, can't remember what he's called, but that the performer who performs at all the Nucky's Club, you know, the guy, he sings a song, but they never yeah, actually yeah, dedicate uh, Eddie Cantor. Few, that's the one, yeah. But they never actually dedicate a few minutes to to really emotionally shoot daughter singing, which she does a few times in season four. And I don't know, I really feel this season is about daughter and Chalky's struggles, really, and just everything that's going on around it. 
I'm gonna have to uh, watch that. That's a good observation. I I do not remember. I know that daughter is obviously a big uh, part of this season. Um, I I don't want to go into too much because you know we don't do spoilers and yeah, stuff like that on this. Um, and I try my I I really try my best not to try to spoil stuff. Uh, so I but that uh, that's something I'm definitely gonna have to watch and kind of remember that and um uh, that's that's a good observation. I like that. Yeah, um, I've noticed it um a few times. So. And then how ultimately Chalky's or I say Chalky, like I said, this is more Dunn's uh, episode. How it ultimately ends is um, Narcisse and him go to like it's like a party or something. I'm not sure exactly what it is, and he has and and maybe I just wasn't paying attention as much as I thought I was at this point. But he Narcisse basically six his sidekick at this point, his enforcer on. Uh, a guy that's hanging out in front of the party. He's drunk and wasted, and it looks like it, at least he uh, beats him to death. I don't know for certain that he does, but that's kind of what it looks like. Or he at least beats the dude really badly for essentially just being, I guess, drunk is all I can think of. I'm not exactly for certain. I think the Nazi says this thing where he says, back home, we call them guppies. I don't really know the proper definition of a guppy, but um, I imagine that it's kind of dumb... You know, sort of not a bit lower and inferior to people. Do you know what I mean? And the way Narcisse dresses and the muscle he has. You know, if you compare what happened at the end of last season with Chalky and Jip, you remember Chalky's right. Chalky's gang. They're all there in scruffy clothes. Whereas this is the opposite. You've got Doctor Narcisse, another black man leading a gang, who is in like really nice suits and he's he, he wears very expensive clothes. And this is the part I think. I don't remember, and I don't want to spoil it, and I don't, I, I don't think I can spoil it because I don't actually remember. But um, I think this is where he deals his heroin out of, or where people come to pick up, or maybe it's like a mini club that he holds for for his group. But um, I think that's more or less kind of what it seems like. Is that yeah. it seems like it's kind of a club or like a bar type, like a, essentially a speakeasy at that point. But he, but that's but where he he's going to, to start be, his heroin. Yeah, but he wants it to be classy he wants that's what he didn't like he didn't like the drunk guy just out smoking a cigarette not caring where he's spreading his ashes you know he's standing on the steps which people need to get up and down Narcisse wants things Uh. very this is what I take from anyway Narcisse wants things very he's so sure of himself and he feels that the only thing stopping him from being one of the most powerful men in the state is the fact that he's black Everything else I think he has and he can pay for and can afford. And I think he wants to be considered as one of the classiest men, but he feels that being black is holding him back. And yeah, that's it. What was I saying? Just that it was very different. Um, the, yeah, between him and Chalky in last season, a very different kind of gang leader. Well, and then that makes even a little more sense because it's um, at the beginning of this episode. I believe it's this episode. It's, it was either the beginning of this episode or last episode. I'm getting them kind of mixed up a little bit. Is when him and uh, Chalky talk a little bit at the Onyx. And he says something about like uh, uh, the, the wording along the lines is um, what is uh, it's like, well, um, you know, unfortunately, ah, what's the wording? He says something about. It's a nice club or whatever. He's like um, dealing business with white people. And then Chalky kind of looks at him and walks away. And then he says, well, some of us. Because mm. he doesn't want to do business with white people. Yeah. He only wants to do business with his people. 
And I think that this is kind of then he's basically wanting his version of the Onyx, but for his people, not for the the Libyans. You know, he keeps obviously referring to the Libyans, and that's kind of where I think it's going. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, so that's all that I have for his storyline for this episode. Uh, did you have anything you wanted to add to it? No, just not. Nasty's a very interesting character. Um, very well acted, like you said, by Jeffrey Wright. Um, it's just the stark differences between everything we've seen about a black man in power from seasons one to three to what we have now. Yeah. And it's probably, um, maybe it's a sign of the times that, you know, more people, it, money is what talks, money and power. And now, yes. rightly so, the color of your skin shouldn't affect how much you're paid or what kind of work you do but the problem is is that Narcisse if he just went about that with his own views that's fine but he he enforces them with a lot of anger and hatred towards white people or actually I think towards anyone that's not black because I think yeah I, think I was going to say I don't I think it's yeah, anybody it's, <laughs> it's not it's, just white it's, yeah, it's Italians as no. well um, so yeah no he's just he's definitely one to keep, a, to keep an eye on because he's a very very interesting and um, meticulously well played character uh huh I agree. Um, all right, so from there, uh, we're going to talk about uh, the show's favorite character, Agent Michael Shannon. So, Mueller. his it is Agent Michael Shannon on this. I don't know who you're talking about when you say his name. So, Agent Michael Shannon, done. <laughs> um, his this is the beginning, and I uh, this is obviously. The, his storyline is changing very, very fast. Um, and I mean, okay, I, let me take this back even further. Of all the characters in this show, okay, let's take every character that has been in the show f- from season one to now. Shannon, Michael Shannon's character has changed the absolute most out of all of them. He's no we way had near the, done changing, is he? You know. Yeah, you right. Know, you know how but he's not done. Up. It's amazing. It's fantastic writing. Um, yeah, he goes through a lot of shit to get to where he he does at the end, and um, yeah, it's it's brilliantly written. It's it is just it's amazing to me how much this character has changed. Because I mean, obviously, we call him Agent Michael Shannon because he was the original Proby agent. You know, he was by the books, everything like that. And he has slowly since then. You know, well, I'll do this, and then this will happen. He's you know, killed one innocent person, but he's also killed guilty people that, you know, were a danger and stuff to, okay, well, I'm going to start taking minor bribes to now he's living undercover as under a different name, fucking working for Obania. And we see from the end of now this episode, basically not even wanting to work for Obania, working for Capone. Mm. So he's done. He is almost on the exact opposite that he was. Uh, from season one, and it's amazing. Um, so we see that um, with his character, the storyline that's basically going on is Capone's uh, friend from uh, his courier, I guess is what you would want to call him, um, has had a, either a heart attack or something and fallen down some stairs, so he's out of commission, and um, Banya is sending flowers over to... Uh, the hospital, uh, which was these like pathetic flowers, he even yeah. says like the day olds or something they like don't even that. Stand up. No, <laughs> what an asshole! Like, dude, seriously. <laughs> um, 
sends over these like but then i say that like these like pathetic flowers but then like when shannon shows up with him capone's pissed off but the guy that's in the hospital he's just eating his pasta he doesn't give a shit he's just like (laughs) whatever man i don't care (laughs) um so he uh shannon shows up to the hospital to, to give it to uh the guy and Capone, the, the the Capones are there. It's uh, Frank and Al, and they're deciding that they're going to go and I guess go back to the old days, which is they're going to be their own couriers, you know, at least for a temporary time, and go and uh, do the collections and stuff like that. And they decide that they're wanting to bring Michael Shannon along, which I didn't understand. Like, why they're bringing? Why? Okay, it's kind of a weird story to me. Okay, you have this this unfit guy who has a heart attack walking up a flight of stairs as your courier and then y'all are going to finish the couring because he's out of commission so you need three people to go and do it like yeah i don't understand that the only thing i thought of was um about protection so um you know i I think the collections needed to happen they they need their money obviously and i kind of judged it that um obviously frank and al wanted to go together um, to sort all of the collections out, but they wanted maybe they brought Mueller along for muscle so that he could provide some extra support should they need or come up against anyone who gives them any issues. But at the same time, you know, right. Al is a he's a control freak and he he wants the power. So even just holding, making Mueller stay against his wishes and making him uncomfortable, that probably would have ticked all of the buttons in Al's phone to like you know just to oh. Uh, I'm uh, I'm I'm making some guy's life miserable now, and I'm enjoying it. So that's that's what I see. I see Al Capone just wanting complete control over everyone he can he can you know. I guess that's true. I didn't think about it that way because um, it was just like I was just while I was watching. I was like, why do you need three like well two two like huge dudes and one half size man <laughs> going around completing this? I just it was kind of strange. I mean, but it's kind of a fun little thing. And in, in my notes, I even have that Agent Michael Shannon goes on a, an adventure with the Capones because yeah, that's that basically what it is. Yeah. <laughs> and so they're they're going about their uh, doing their business. Um, you see, basically, how the Capones work there is like they the first guy they go to to collect money from, they throw him out of a window yeah. <laughs> and onto a car. <laughs> and then we see it ultimately leads to them done and they see a um a, a speakeasy that is one of Obanias, which is disguised as a bread truck. Yeah. And they decide that they're gonna steal this bread truck. Um but well even before that I'm sorry, even before that, uh Capone is kind of making an offer while they're walking towards the bread truck. Uh, is kind of making an offer to Agent Michael Shannon about selling the, I can't think of the name of it, the Norwegian booze that he makes. Um, basically saying, hey, if you want to sell it into my territory, if you work for me, I'll let you do that. Because he doesn't consider it a threat, I guess, that he knows he's not going to get into the Norwegian market anyways. It kind of sounds like. So um, he's well, willing to let him sell. That's right. And you got to sort of think as well that um, he'd get, you know, Al Capone's a businessman. Uh, first and foremost, and he's getting anyone right. to comply with him or just under his control. Even if he lets him, you know, you're right. He doesn't. He, I don't think he gives two shits about the Norwegian 
vodka business but at the same time if he can have control over who's running it in his part of the country then he can get money on it collect tax have control of it and if ever needed he can transport it or transport other illegal things along with it you know there's always reasons for people like Al Capone to sort of keep someone happy and then again you know he can call on agent Michael Shannon whenever he needs him so it's yeah clever not not a not an outright clever business move, but just a, a normal one that I think someone like Al Capone would take. You know, just keep keep someone happy, let him do his business, and then he'll when when you need him, you can call upon him and he'll deliver. Yeah, that's kind of how I I take I kind of looking at it is, it's he's because obviously he's wanting Michael Shannon to come and work for him. Like that's his big thing. He's yeah. wanting him to be there because he's seeing that the guy is a tough dude. He's obviously knows he's a smart guy as well he's not an idiot and that's somebody that he wants on his team yeah exactly um so they decide to steal the bread truck um and in the process of stealing it um we you hear that there's somebody in the back and stuff like that oh yeah (laughs) yeah well, oh, and before even that, we see the uh, apparently Capone is also a cokehead because he's deciding to take oh, yeah. a bump off of a key. He gets Agent Michael <laughs> Shannon is... to hold the car wheel, doesn't he? <laughs> Which I was just like, at that, that came out of nowhere. I was just like, wait, what? I was like, when did he become a cokehead? I was like, but at the same time, I'm like, well, now that makes a little more sense. Okay. Yeah, that's why so, it's so mental. Oh. <laughs> uh, so they pull over and they see that it's uh, one of uh, Shannon's guys has taken a nap in the back. And it's the guy from earlier in the episode who um, had a joke played on him by yeah. um, firing the gun. Uh, by, yeah, by firing the gun with Obanya. And it's this guy and he he sees, you know, um, Agent uh, Michael Shannon. He sees him and is like, you know, I'm not going to tell anybody. Just let me go. And. Uh, I think Frank says, "All right, I'm going to give you ten, uh, uh, ten. You know, run that way." And they tell Shannon, "Like, what is it?" He says, "He was like, he, says, he hands well, him the gun, and Shannon." Yeah, I think doesn't Michael Shannon says, "Oh, you don't have to kill him," and um, and Al Capone says, "Well, it's not a problem for me if he goes back to O'Banion and says what he saw tonight." And then Shannon yeah. realizes <laughs> that he's fucked because he's he's been caught working with the Capones, so he has to do something. So that's that's exactly what it is. Is he realizes this is his issue, yeah, and this is where you see another huge change in Shannon, where it's just like, well, fuck it, this guy's an innocent person that's working kind of with him, and he doesn't kill the guy, but he shoots at him, and that's enough, I guess, for the Capones to realize he's at least serious enough that they know that they can trust him, because yeah. then Capone just unleashes his Tommy gun. famous Tommy gun and blows the guy away, yeah. So, and that's kind of where we're left at on that. So now we're seeing, uh, obviously, there's going to be a big change with uh, his character coming up this this um, the next couple episodes. I I would think. Uh, what agent Michael Shannon? Yeah. Yeah, well, it's the start of um, it's the start of new things for me. He, he's been given the okay for his vodka business, um, and he's 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 rolling around with the big boys now. You know, he's he's. Um, He's in with the Capones, which is huge in Cicero. So things, yeah, things are very much set to change for him. Right. And that's, yeah, that's exactly what I see happening. And I mean, and I I mean, obviously, because then it ultimately ends with him even going back uh, this episode where he ends going home with his wife. 
and you can see that there's a lot that he's thinking about because they're obviously having their issues with money as mm. we've discussed in previous episodes. I don't know what his wife does, but apparently they never have enough money. So, and that's kind of been Shannon's storyline from the beginning. He's never had enough money, yeah. you know, because he was having to pay off for Lucy with the one kid. He's always, that's been his ultimate, like, evil i guess is chasing this amount of money that he never has enough of and i forgot that his first wife as well the really religious woman do you remember her yeah the really weird small woman um but yeah no he, he's had a tough time isn't he because um it's a shame because yeah all of his all of his acts have been pretty selfish and to an extent violent but um at the start you you really get the feeling that he he wanted to do things for the better you know to keep um people like Nucky Thompson off the streets and off the boardwalk. But in the end, his, uh, his passion and his strive for shutting down and quietening Nucky led him to do some horribly, uh, evil things. And then it ulti- uh, right. ultimately, uh, ended in him losing his job, um, with the police force. And then he, he started selling irons, didn't he? Didn't he go from house to house <laughs> selling irons? Yeah, he was and... trying to be legitimate with the iron, the, <laughs> yeah. the electric iron company. <laughs> and then he, uh, he put the iron in that guy's face, didn't he? And, the, and now he's here because, yeah, you're right. They didn't have enough money. Um, he's working for another gangster, O'Banion, whilst his wife makes vodka in the bath. So it's not, yeah, not a good, <laughs> not, not a great situation to be in. <laughs> no. Um, and so, I mean, we'll be seeing where his storyline goes, uh, from here. Um, all right, so that's all that I have for this first half. Um, do you have anything else to add for the Chalky and um, Agent Shannon story? Um, no, I like the I like the Capones thing because I think um, obviously you and me know where their story goes, and the, um, this was I took I took this as a little break from the Capones, and this was the moment where I feel that they went from um, you know when you're growing up and you. And you always strive to sort of go back for one reason or another and go back to your childhood just so you can have an easier life. You forget about your work. You forget about your bills. Right. This kind of felt like, you know, I think when Al says to Frank they'll do the pickups, Frank says, um, oh, like we did. When, when was the last time we did it? And he was like, oh, yeah, you were back in, back in 18 or something, like three years ago. And so it's like they're, yeah. they're just reminiscing to when they were boys and when they weren't such big players. And I think for one night they get to go out and do it again and be the little boys, be the be the young recruits and not the actual leaders. And then I feel after this things start getting very serious for them. Not not as a result of this one night, but I just think it was great writing by the show to say that um well, this is the point where Capone's destiny changes as well. Because as we've said before, there's a lot of things that change for a lot of characters in this episode. Right. And even if it's the huge changes for people like Pernsley, they're minor changes for Al and Frank Capone, but it's just that they got out to do one night of what they used to do when they were sort of younger men, and for me, that's where it changes, and they step up from this moment. Yeah, no, I agree. All right, so uh, we're going to just take a quick little break, and uh, we'll do a little bit of chin-wagging when we come back. Horse 
So um, we are going to go ahead and jump right into the second half of this episode. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, what I would put down as the two biggest storylines uh, for this episode, which is going to be Nucky and Eddie's essentially and uh, Willie's storyline because Willie's storyline is obviously a, a fairly huge one as well. It's been kind of a building episode from last episode. Um. <clears throat> So I want to go ahead, actually, and I want to start with uh, Willie's storyline because I like. I think Nucky's is a is the much bigger one because I'm, I'm putting Nucky, Rostein, and Eddie all into one category. If that makes any sense. So, yeah, yeah, no, it does. I mean, all their stories are interlinked, and Eddie is uh, Eddie gets to where he gets to in this episode because of what he's doing on behalf of Nucky. So yeah, right, uh, very relevant. So. Um, we're just going to go ahead and start with Willie's. Uh, Willie um, is so. Previous episode, they had had like a, a party and stuff like that at their house, and uh, or not at the house. Sorry, they had had a party at the school. Uh, so he's back, I guess, for the weekend or whatever, visiting his his, uh, his family. Um, he's talking with his dad about how he's not happy at school because of what happened the last episode, and the dad is kind of like, "Well, they don't know who you are." Like. Like people at, I think it's Temple is the name of the college, if I remember right. Like people at Temple really give a shit of like who Nucky Thompson is. I mean, it's 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 the honest truth of it, you know. Yeah, like exactly. Like in Atlantic City, yeah, he's somebody important. But go to somewhere else, there's other important people as well, you know. So, yeah. um, him and his uh, that's like his dad just doesn't, I guess, understand that. I guess Eli's still kind of in the mentality of, you know, because he hasn't been away. He's been in Atlantic city his whole life. He hasn't gone to college. You know, Nucky's the one that went to college. And so I don't, I guess I don't think his dad quite under, understands that. Um, but I guess this kind of gets a little bit in his head about what he's going to do when he gets back to school. And so him and that other, the other kid, his little friend with, um, the glasses are planning, I guess their second party, and they don't quite have enough of the whiskey left from the previous one, so they're going to do, like, cutting it, which um, I don't know if you ever did this, but I totally did this as a kid where you, like, steal a little bit of liquor and then, like, you put some water in it thinking you're going to, like, get away with it. There's no way my parents didn't notice that shit getting watered down. Like, there is no <laughs> way. <laughs> I don't know if you I'm ever did that or not. But... Um, so, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think I – I mean – I've uh, I've been told I'm very mature uh, for my age, and I look very mature for my age. So I was always sent by my mates to go and pick up beers from the shops. Um, <laughs> but well, yeah, when we were underage. But I was never actually uh, yeah, I never really drunk much myself, to be honest. So I wouldn't know about cutting whiskey down. But um, yeah, it's a very sneaky thing that I've seen in a few of a uh, few shows like this. Well, but, okay, do it with heroin as well, you know, cocaine, heroin, and alcohol. Right, but now hold on. Now, what's the drinking age over there? Um. I don't know. I don't. This is what I'm saying, man. Like, I don't really drink enough to even take an interest. I think, um, 
It's eighteen. Yeah, you can't buy you can't buy a drink on your own until you're eighteen. Okay. See, because here in America, here in the states, it's it's twenty one. You have to be twenty one to be able to uh, buy. Oh yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah, we're still very we're still very puritan on our alcohol laws here um yeah yeah it's because it's a big deal because in there was in one state here louisiana um for a long time they held on to the 18 after there was some laws that changed oh i don't remember what year it was there was laws that changed in the u.s if i if i remember correctly louisiana they refused to change theirs they kept at 18 because drinking is a big part of their culture there and this, right. uh, the U.S. government cut off funding for their roads because of it. They were like, "No, we wow. have to punt." Yeah, it's it's if, it, that's if ever, I, I've always heard this in passing. I actually don't know 100 percent if that's true, but I know for a long time they held on to 18 there. But yeah, no, it's 21 here in here in the U.S. So uh, yeah, that's so that's kind of yeah. So at 18, if you're in college, almost everybody's 18 in college. Right? That what 17? I guess is kind of young, but most people, I think, would be eighteen by then, so they could buy alcohol. Uh, yeah, but yeah. So the, well, in England, they people want to start drinking when they're younger. So you have a lot of uh, house parties. I remember when I was in school, loads of uh, house parties where you were aged sixteen, um, and you'd do everything you can to get your hands on a few bottle of beers and uh, a few, some spirits and stuff um, when your friends' parents were out of the house. But um, right, yeah, we do that. We do that here too. limited. <laughs> yeah. Whenever something's limited um, to you or to, you know, people your age, then you always want to rebel and just do it anyway. So it's always going to happen, whatever the age limit. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, 100%. <laughs> so uh, that's what their plan is, is I guess to water it down a little bit and cut it. They say cut it, you know, to try to get it to last longer um, so they can have this other party. And in the process, they decide that they're going to uh, – get back at the bully is what I have him in our, in my notes as, um, yeah, the school bully by basically giving him a laxative, uh, by putting laxative, which is a, another kind of like classic stereo, like a trope that's used and stuff like that. in a lot of movies, uh, movies and TV shows, you know, get the bully a laxative. And so they're going to make, <laughs> um, milk of magnesium to do it, which, I, why I don't know why in the world you would think you can make milk of magnesium, like <laughs> I don't understand what's going through their heads. Where it's like, hey, let's go get these chemicals. I think I can remember. And, they couldn't even remember the recipe, could they? <laughs> right. It was like I think it's two parts acid, one part base, and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. like this. And I don't think it's sloppy writing intentionally, but I'm just like. I feel like the, the character of Willie's a really smart guy, right? Especially for his age. He's very mature. He's very smart. I'm like, yeah. I don't believe that he would really just like decide to mix, steal some chemicals from the lab, mix them together and be like, yeah, this has to be safe. But and then give it to someone. And then yeah, give it exactly. to somebody. I mean, maybe, but I, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's a weird, it, it was, it was, it's kind of a weird thing. And I, I, that's what I have in my notes is it seems like a weird stretch for this character. Um, but at the same time, he's also been bullied at this point a little bit and he's wanting revenge. So, I mean, you know, you do stupid things when you're, I, I guess that yeah. upset. And he likes the girl, doesn't he? The, and she's flirting with, uh, right. she's flirting with the bully. Right. And so that's also another, I guess, kind of motivation in his head is to get back to get the girl <laughs> yeah. that he wants. Give your enemy some laxatives. Yeah. So they're, um, 
that's what he does. So he when the guy's distracted, he pours some in his cup, which he pours a shit ton as well. Because it's just like you don't know how you don't know how good this stuff is, and then you pour. You don't even know what's in it. You don't even know what's in it, and then you pour like a half of a flask. I feel like into it. I know. Yeah, it looks like that. <laughs> and the um, kid takes uh, he uh, cra- he shits his pants, and like we kind of think at first that that's the end of it, until the following morning, which. We find out that I guess it was just like that extreme or something because then you see it's a very graphic death of this kid where it's like blood. He's thrown up blood. There's blood like all over the walls. So I don't know if it was necessarily even a lax. I don't know if you consume. I know that if you were to consume too much laxatives, I know it can kill you because you're basically all the like you you just dehydrate and you're. You die yeah, you that empty way. All of the liquids from your body at once. Like, right. <laughs> it's not good. So I don't know, but him, for him to even throw up blood and stuff like that, I was kind of like, wait, I don't know if this is a laxative or maybe they gave him an acid as well. Like, I, I, I was kind of confused by that, but I mean, I, I get where they're going for the episode, you know, like I'm not going to, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to critique them on chemistry because I don't know chemistry. So no, no, I mean, either. Yeah, I got nothing. Um, but now one of the things I wanted to comment on this is I, this is also something that I feel is a very big thing in in like the the history of prohibition because during the history of prohibition it's always talked about how alcohol was cut with like all these different chemicals and stuff like that and people were dying left and right from tainted alcohol which the show has shown like distilling at the house they've shown like all this stuff but we haven't really seen an effect from people drinking illegal alcohol this is kind of the first death that we've seen from that um, which coincides with like, that's right, yeah, and it's a big one, isn't it? And it's a yeah, chemical mistake more than anything. And um, yeah, I, th- I, I agree. You know, you see, obviously, with the deaths linked to the um, the gun violence and the result of being hit by mobsters and heroin overdoses and everything. But you're right; this is the first time that the show about alcohol has actually showed like an alcohol-related death. Right. So that's obviously, I think, going to be a big factor for later on. Um, I, I could see it being something that's brought up because I mean, obviously, a kid dies; it's not going to just be a minor thing. Um, yeah, you know, I, I obviously there's has to be because I mean, it's a kid at a school. I mean, oh, this sounds horrible, but you know, it happens now all the time. And call at least in the states, you have like the fraternities with hazing; people die from alcohol poisoning every year. It's in the news, but um, it's there's even here in the u.s now with whenever somebody dies from alcohol poison it's a big deal like people you know people go to prison over it people get you know fraternities like they get taken off the college campuses and stuff like that so there's major consequences you know from this type of thing um and i, I that's how i, exactly I think I, doing, I think yeah. it's gonna happen well that's it and you gotta think that these shows always somehow you know hbo and all of them they'll always somehow uh chuck in uh, anything that they can do to sort of try and help, uh, you know, issues in the world. So, yeah, right. been, as you said, there's been loads of problems with teenage drinking, maybe in America and the same over here in England. So these shows will always try and put in something to kind of be politically correct at one point or another, you know, to, you know, what I mean, not politically correct, but they always try and um, show a good message. A good, you know, yeah, other like shows do it much more than like the a, others. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's a lot of shows nowadays are, um, making the main characters lesbians or gays or bisexuals because that's what's going in at the moment it's about uh you know exploring different um 
possibilities and you know opening up the LGBT community, giving them uh, more storylines and stuff. You know, right. it hasn't been featured in in media and movies a lot over the past ten or twenty years. So. Uh-huh. And I think now that's like you said something things about drinking and underage drinking and teenage drinking, it's it's becoming a bit of an issue. So they'll always try and chuck something in. But I really like the way they've done it as a storyline. You know, they didn't just do it. Uh, kids get uh, uh, kids get too drunk at a party, and so they um, and so they they have to pay the price just for drinking too much. It's actually the way they've done revenge, and they've made Willie engage in his right. dark evil side, if you like, to kind of put out this. Um, to give revenge to this kid who actually, you know, in the end, doesn't really deserve what he got. No, no, and, and that's exact, and that's exactly what's kind of happening is because it wasn't that Willie just supplied some bad alcohol, or he just yeah, the kid, exactly. or he supplied the alcohol and he drank too much. It was no, you, you actually did this. Like it's this is no different. It, it's not an intentional act. It's I, I want to say it's no different than pulling the trigger on a gun. It's not the same thing because it wasn't an intentional act. But ultimately, what yeah. you did still led to the death of somebody. It was a huge mistake, and you know, like we said, he didn't know the quantities of anything. He shouldn't have done it, and yeah, resulted in the uh, fatality of a, a young man. Right, and so. We're going to see where that kind of, because that's where his storyline ends. And obviously this is, and that's, I believe that's the last scene of the episode, if I remember correctly. Uh, so the, obviously this is going to lead to something more later on. Um, so that's all that I have for uh, his, his. Yeah, that's all I have for his. I was just looking at my notes really quick. I don't have anything else to add to his. Do you? No, 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 no. Just, um, yeah, it's uh, the start of a. Of a ride for Willie. Yeah. All right, so now we're going to get to the big storyline of the episode, which is the Nucky slash Eddie slash FBI slash Arnold Rothstein story. (laughs) Um, Slash the other Capone brother. Slash the other Capone brother, correct. (laughs) Um, Which, okay, I want to go and I want to... I want to have a drink with Eddie, and I think it's Frank, if I remember right. No, um, sorry, it's no, it's uh, uh, Ralph. Ralph, I want to go and have a drink with Eddie and Ralph because they look like they are some of the funnest dudes to hang out with when they're drinking. Especially in that German bar, right? Right, that's what I'm saying. Like, because they start <laughs> out at like a songs, port, yeah. like, like a like a slaughterhouse or whatever you want to call it, like a steakhouse, <laughs> and then from there they go to a German bar. And they're drinking and they're hanging out with all these cool ass German people, which I never thought I would say that in my life. But <laughs> they, they look like they're all just having a shit ton of fun. And I'm just like, dude, I want to drink with these dudes. These dudes seem like yeah. cool as shit. So, well, this is the thing I like. I mean, it's a whole nother podcast, you know, it's completely separate to Boardwalk, where if you talk about people who, you know, soldiers who follow the orders of their leaders and. You know, like you just said, we all, it's unfortunate, but as soon as you hear the word German, you think of the Holocaust and Hitler. It just happens, you know, it's right, a right. huge event in history. And you forget that, you know, these people, you know, the Nazis, obviously the soldiers were just following orders and it doesn't make anything they did right. But these were people with wives and sons and everything, and they were just doing and following the orders they were told. But they were still men who had pride in their country. And that's what I think really comes through in the um, in that bar scene is that, but they do it with everyone. You know, it just so happened they chose the Germans because Eddie was German. But um, I always like things like that when you just get a little glimpse into another culture, especially at that time, because I think the First World War just ended, hadn't it? Right. The um, f- first World War. Obviously, 
yeah, the First World War had just ended, which that was also yeah, the, and the they journey. didn't know the Second World War was coming twenty five years after this scene. So right, it's just nice, like I said, little glimpses of other people's culture. Well, um, and, and I think how, that that's, yeah, how they interact. And well, and that's kind of a stereotype of of the German people is that they're very it, like not, and I don't want to say that. The, the Nazi stereotype because that I, I that gets into it's in America I don't know if it's over there but it's all over here and stuff like that when you it's especially in a political climate where every everybody is a Nazi for whatever reason so um, but it gets to the point where it's or not to the point it's Germans have this stereotype at least in the U.S. of being they're not funny they're very like straightforward they only follow rules and like that's it. But uh, me personally, I've worked with a couple people that are German immigrants. Dude, they're funny as shit. Like they'll sit there and yeah, joke, and they're just stereotypes, aren't they? You know? that, and that's all it is. And I think that in Eddie is when he's around Nucky, he's the stereotype of a German. It's he's following the yes. rules. He only does what he's supposed to. But then we see him at the bar, and he's having a great time. You know, like they're laughing, they're joking, and stuff like that. You know, it, it goes to the exact opposite of what you're expecting. And that's what's so great about that storyline is you're seeing this whole other side to a character we thought we knew. And we're learning more and more about Eddie's character. You know, that he's not just this machine, essentially, that he actually is a person. You know, he's proud of his kids and it's great. Well, when you see the, um, you know, it's, it's nice that in a general sense, Eddie's being given a freer role in Nucky's organization and at the same time he kind of we kind of get a glimpse into a freer Eddie's life you know we see him being able to go to the pub and relax for a bit and he doesn't have to be at Nucky's side every moment getting his suit ready he now does some proper jobs um, in which he's allowed to take two days off to go and get this job done so he just relaxes the only way Eddie knows how yeah. go to a German bar and have a drink <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and then ultimately, like, his storyline is going so well. It's a lot of fun. And then it's sad because it ultimately ends with him not getting arrested, but him getting escorted by the other um, – uh, oh, my God. I wish I could remember what <laughs> – my uh, co-host came up. It's a baby. <laughs> I cannot – oh, my God. I cannot remember. Oh, yeah. His name's Agent Knox. But, um, yeah, he's got a very, very baby face, isn't he? Baby face, and he, he there's a name. He, oh, I'm, I'm so pissed that I don't remember it right now. Um, <laughs> but he we, we he has a whole another name for it, for him. But he gets escorted out by him because we were finding out from the beginning of the episode that they are going to find the weakest link essentially in his organization and go after him. And I I'm, I'm, I guess we're assuming at this point that they feel that Eddie is the weak, weakest link in the organization. Yeah. Um, yep. And so now we we're gonna have to see what is gonna come from that. And it's, mm. yeah, I found I found this. Yeah, this I, obviously no spoilers for the future episodes, but um, yeah, this is a big a big point, a uh, big moment in Eddie's character arc. And um, yeah, it was a, it's it's tragic because you've just seen him. Probably we've seen Eddie at his most purest and uh, his right. happiest in all three seasons. And you, you know you end you think you're ending the episode on a high five minutes to go, and Eddie's just had an awesome night with Ralph Capone doing exactly what he wanted, doing the big jobs for Nucky, which is what he wanted. Right. And um, then yeah, it ends in him being escorted away by these FBI agents. So it doesn't 
Yeah, doesn't bode well for uh, Eddie at this moment, does it? No. Um, and so, and, and we'll, I guess, kind of see what happens out of his. And as you said, I, I this is obviously going to be a big turning point for him. Yeah. Um, so the other main thing I have with uh, N- uh, Nucky's storyline is that it's mainly with Rostin. And we see that he's, um, Nucky's come in, he's, uh, just gotten back from Florida and he has this, um, this kind of deal that I don't think he, I don't, I'm still weirded out by this. I don't know if Nucky fully wants the deal in Florida or not, or if he believes in it or not. I can't tell because while he was in Florida, he was kind of like wishy-washy on the whole idea. And then he ultimately agrees to it by buying this, like, what is it, like, 12,000 acres or something like that, or 100,000 acres. I don't remember how much it is. But this massive plot of land, and he wants Rothstein to come in now with him as a partner, and it basically sounds like 50-50. And Rothstein is kind of weirded out by it because he even says three days ago or something like that, uh, Nucky had told him that he's out. He he was going to be out of the game anyways. That he had enough, and now all of a sudden Nucky's wanting to go back into the game, and so, and uh, and Rossi obviously, rightfully so, is very like, you know, suspicious of it. Well, yeah, it's because it, season three ended badly for their relationship, didn't it? It was um. Yeah, he turned him. He, he tried to turn him over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Rothstein um, sided with Rosetti, didn't he, or Masseria? And he got something. He saved Nucky at the last minute of the last episode. He backed out of the deal, or he got Masseria to pull down Chip's men. Um, so yeah, so there, there was a there's a huge lack of trust in that relationship at the moment. So they both went into this poker game very um, wary of each other and very yeah very concerned at what the other one might pull and how they might play. So obviously, you know, as, as we're going to talk about, the poker game was a metaphor for their business, you know. Right. Seeing how much they can invest, if it's willing, can they trust the other person, is he bluffing, you know. Um, yeah, man. <laughs> right, no, exactly. And that's exactly what it is. And so then they're, they they go into this poker game because that's how Rossin says he, he trusts a man is by how he plays poker. And yeah. so... We, God, I've, are you a poker player by any chance? Uh, yeah, I do play poker, yeah. Okay, so I don't, I do not. I am not a good poker player. Really? I play. You're the American. You uh, have to be playing poker. No, I'm not. I play blackjack. I, I'll play blackjack for okay. hours. I love blackjack. Poker, I don't get it. I I have tried to understand no. it. Um, Co-host Chris, he plays poker. I don't understand, and especially games like this where they go for like twelve hours. I don't understand yeah. that. I can't. Yeah, it's pretty mad. I mean, I played poker a couple of weekends ago with some family, and um, yeah, I don't, it just the time goes by because you just keep playing hands, and different people start getting up in how much money or chips they have, and. Yeah, and so when you win, you want to stay, but you want to win more. And when you're losing, you want to win what you've lost back. Right. So it's a, and that's what it is for these guys. But obviously, the stakes are much higher in terms of the volume of money that they're playing for. Right. Um, so yeah, I just oh, I can't do it. I I don't I don't understand it. There's a lot to learn. There's loads of hands to learn and stuff. 
And I and I and like when I was in college, I played. So like I would play in college a little bit. Uh, and when I was right. in high school, we had a, a group of um, guys and stuff like that. We would meet about like I think it was two times a month. We would meet and play poker. So it's not like I I don't know I. It's not that I don't know how. I'm just I don't understand. It to the point where I'm like I could sit there and play it like this. I'm not that right. good. Like I am not that good. <laughs> um, and so th- they're going obviously on this game for hours and hours and hours, and they're kind of going back and forth. And we ultimately s- start to see Rothstein as a loser. We've never seen him on the losing end like this before. He's lost out on a lot of stuff in previous episodes, but seeing him on this side, it's a whole nother Rothstein. Um, well, it's yeah, it's made even worse by the fact that normally, so this normally with poker, you come to the table with a set amount of um, money that you're willing to bet, and Rothstein brought already with him what I think was his limits, but he's so unsure about this final hand with Nucky that he can't figure Nucky out, and like like I said earlier, that's a metaphor. He can't figure Nucky's business right. plan out. He doesn't know whether he can be trusted, whether he's going to fuck him, whether he's going to, you know, whether you can trust him. So uh, Rothstein's just trying to figure out Nucky over this poker hand. And he really backs himself, doesn't he? Because he, he asks to borrow 200 grand from Nucky. Mm-hmm. And you think, okay, that's big. He's, he's setting up for another few hours. And then he just plays it all in. Um, and then ultimately ends up losing the hand. So, and that's the thing about poker, and this is why I really like this metaphor, is that there's, so you know obviously there's about, I can't remember, I think there's eight different hands you can get. Um, so, you know, there's a pair, three of a kind, straight, flush, and there's, you know, right? Right, 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 yeah. So one pair is worse than two pair, which is worse than a straight, you know, all that stuff. So that is why I like, if it was just, blackjack is where you try and get to 21, right? Correct. Yeah, so if it was a black game of blackjack they had, then it's a game of chance. You know, it's about whether what 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 cards coming next. Whereas poker, you have to think, well, this is the hand I've got. Now, how much money is this worth putting on? Because although I've got a good hand, he could have a much better one, which is the mm-hmm. whole premise of poker. Um, and then I like it at the end when he loses, um, and he and he says, yeah, he says to Nucky, he says, I figured you for a straight, but Nucky has a flush, which is better than a straight. Right, and um, that summed up the metaphor for me and closed it perfectly. He he didn't really know who Nucky was because he'd never had the chance to find out. Now he's played poker against him and he's seen that Nucky has bluffed his way to taking two hundred k from Arnold <laughs> Rothstein. So that Rothstein learned his lesson. He's learned about um, Nucky now. He's yeah, or maybe not fully, but he's, he's aware. He's, there's that moment, isn't he, where he says, "I, you have my attention now." Yeah, and. Well, and then it's not only that because then we're we're seeing the other side of Rossi, where because even Lansky is kind of telling him to like calm down because when yeah, when yeah. when Rothstein starts to lose, like he doesn't like Rothstein's not a drinker. He does I, you will you don't see him drink. He he even says he he doesn't like uh, uh, being clouded. He only likes to kind be clouding his judgment. Yeah, yeah. and. It, losing to him is almost like him getting drunk because mm. Lansky even says to him at one point, "Don't let them see you like this. Like you need to stop." You know yeah, exactly. And then he gets really irate, doesn't he? Because the uh, the guy who's uh, the dealer, what is it? I think that is when he asks for two hundred k. Yeah. Um, 
and then he said, looks at the dealer and says, "Give me two hundred k more." And the dealer looks at Lansky and Roth- Rothstein sort of goes and goes, "Don't look at him." <laughs> yeah, don't look Do at not him. Don't look at him. I, like, I'm running things. This is my money. This is my gamble so do not look at my associate like you ask me no one else yeah well and it's like he's upset about the cards because he's like i said a new deck and the guy's like that is a new deck and he says i don't like the feel oh, of yes them. that's it isn't it it's not the it's not the money it's, it's that he says he wants a new deck and he's on un- he's opened them brand yeah. new but he doesn't like the feel of them <laughs> <laughs> which and that is a that's a that's a, that matches rossing to a t like it's he wants everything in how it's supposed to be to him and from and then from this we we see that like Lansky finally gets Rossine to in for the night, and Rossine goes up I guess to go to bed. Um, Lansky goes to talk to um, to Nucky about it, and I, I thought it was kind of funny. He says something about the, the borrowed money or something like that. And Nucky's like, "Don't worry, it's only two hundred thousand. Like, uh, we're good for a million, or or we accept up to a million. Yeah. Which I'm like, okay, hold on, <laughs> you could take a loan out in nineteen twenty four for a million dollars. I was like, that's nuts, but okay. Is, um, yeah. But and he knows that he's good for it. But he basically Lansky goes to him as kind of like a request to like don't don't let him do this again, like because he knows that this is like his addiction. I guess this is. Rossi's addiction is he'll keep playing even if he's losing. You know, like this dude could probably lose his um, entire fortune, you know, at some point because of this. You know, if he just kept going and going, he would lose his fortune and he wouldn't care. And I think Lansky knows that about him. Um, yeah. And then Lansky obviously makes the proposition to um, Nucky to be his business partner, which goes back to the title All In. And mm, yeah, that's what we said earlier about characters taking huge steps in this episode. And we're we're now seeing a bigger side of Lansky. Though I mean, we've already we've known Lansky as a good minor <laughs> character um, to a, a, I say a minor character to a moderate character even, but now we're seeing another side of him where we're actually learning a little bit about his history and like how he met uh, Lucky. Uh, uh, yeah, how he met Lucky, and you know like his history of. Yeah, of being who he is. Yeah, it's really very well played by the guy, and we're seeing more of Lansky that we've we've not seen to the point of Nucky agrees to um, to allow him as a partner as long as he has the five hundred thousand within. I think he says forty eight hours or something like that, and we now see where it ends is Lansky. Uh, confronting the guy who's making the anti-Semitic remarks throughout the entire um, uh, game and just starts wailing on him with, I can't think of what that thing's called, where it's like the lead piece of lead inside of a leather oh, pouch. Yeah, yeah and that's horrible, isn't it? It's just, this, you know that's just like a world of pain. Just so much pain. And him, like, and he's, and he's talking in Russian like while he's doing it. I don't know if you saw that or caught on to that. He's saying was it so- Russian or was it Jewish? I well, I, okay, I so I, I guess I don't know that. I, I was thinking as he talked about being from Russia, uh, he immigrated. So I actually don't know if it was Russian or Jewish. But and it may have even been it would be, make more sense if it's Jewish because the guy's making the anti-Semitic remarks the entire time. So it may have yeah. been Jewish. But sitting there just cool and collective as he beats the guy, like just so calm, and he's just like talking as he like just. 
wails on him. I just it's probably the scariest like I've no moment I've had of seeing Lansky because you're actually seeing like this guy who's kind of short in stature and he's always been very calm and collective and you're seeing him essentially beat a guy to death. I'm, it's almost like, and I don't know if he, the guy dies or not. I, I, I don't know, or I can't remember, but he's not losing his, his cool the entire time he's doing it. Well, that's it. And yeah, you're right. I mean, we're, we're seeing him lose his cool in terms of his violence. Cause Lansky's very proud of where he's come from. You know, he, He's come from a very, I wouldn't say a poor background, but he's come from a very, I'd say an underprivileged background. Um, yes. And, you know, he was picked on by the kids at the schoolyard and this and that and the other. And he was, it's, it's, been, it's obvious that it's been hard for him to, um, to make it through all of this and to come to where he is. So I think for, to have to deal with some guy mocking him and saying very anti-Semitic, um, yeah, phrases and racist stuff to him. Right. The guy deserved a beating. I mean, no, like, yeah, can't put it any other way. <laughs> no, absolutely, and and that's where he's different than even Rossi because Rossi the entire time was like, just let it go. You know, Rossi was like, yeah, let it yeah, go. Yeah. It doesn't matter. That's and this it. is where we're seeing the big difference between Lansky and Rothstein. Yes, because even Rothstein, even though Rothstein loses his call in sort of poker terms, you know, he gets upset that he's lost the money. In the end, he's actually kept his cool head. He's maintained his dignity, whereas this is what Lansky hasn't done because he's now just gone and beat the shit out of this guy around the back. Right. And, and this is what I think people like Lansky look to learn from people like Arnold Rothstein. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I agree fully. Um, he's learned. I feel like at this point, he thinks he's learned enough from Rothstein, and he thinks that he now, because he even says it, Rothstein's not his his boss. He is Rossi and is his associate. Like that's what yeah. he says to uh, to to, uh, to Nucky. So he feels now at this point that he can go on his own and do his own thing. That's it exactly. And so, and that's what I guess we're going to be seeing now over the next um, little bit about where that is going to lead to. Well, yeah, um, we're going to see it, and yeah, like we said before, it is just about them guys all making names for themselves. You know, doing what they can to break away from their uh, from their bosses, essentially. And we saw this at the end of last season, do you remember? Because Luciano was um, doing that heroin thing and then he got caught right. by the guy with the, uh, the, with the slash across his neck. Yeah, um, um, yeah, the, the undercover agent slash also working one, yeah, for yeah. Um, uh, Rothstein. Yep, exactly. Um, Lansky's he's got great business background he knows what he's doing and this was a huge i mean you can see how certain he is of, he is of himself because you know there's that moment where um nucky doesn't quite believe what's happening he doesn't quite believe that um lansky can step in and do what he's asked of rothstein right and he's so certain of himself because nucky says really you're gonna do it and before he's finished lansky's like yep and he goes five hundred thousand tomorrow yeah he he's just, like, just so fast he's just done <laughs> Yeah, he knows it. He just knows that nothing's gonna. He knows that nothing's gonna um, stop him from doing it. He knows he can afford it. He knows he's with, he's playing with the big boys now, and it's um. He's up for it. He's up for the challenge of helping and being Nucky's guy. Yeah, fix things <laughs> for this deal. No, I agree. Um, and then that's that's really all I have for this episode. Um, 
because that's kind of where his storyline I feel like is now going to end. It, or not not the, the storyline for this episode. The storyline for this episode. This is kind of where it ends at. Um. So we're just going to see more, obviously, in the next uh, couple episodes about where we're going to go from from here. Uh, yeah, this this was very much a transitional episode. I've got it down. I looked today because I rate each episode on IMDb. Oh, okay. And um, I only gave this one an eight because there's a lot of different factors that, for me, contribute to what um, to why what I'd rate an episode and why I'd give it that rating. I suppose uh, some of its action, you know, being excited by the screen, having some, having loads of memorable and useful scenes. So I don't like scenes where people are there just for the sake of it and they're filling some time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, generally, I've never given Boardwalk a seven. It's always been an eight or a nine and a couple of tens, you know, episodes which, in my opinion, were perfect. Uh-huh. But um, this one, I, I watched it with a different view today because it um, it really is a transitional episode. It, it's It's... It's the bridge between being welcomed back to Boardwalk, which is what essentially episodes one and two are. Episode three kind of is getting the storyline a bit set. We're starting to see which way the characters are going and how they're differing from different seasons, from previous seasons. Um, and this episode, actions have been taken. Lansky does is Lansky puts himself forward as a partner. Dunn changes side. Eddie gets escorted away by the FBI. Yes. The Capones start... Um, you know, showing their authority in Cicero by doing their collections. It's it's a transitional episode, and I think from here it all goes. It all things start changing, and I'm gutted that I can't do next week's episode because next week's <laughs> episode is one of my favorite episodes of the whole series. So, you guys are in for a treat because it's an amazing episode. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna remember that whenever we're recording it. So, uh... <laughs> yeah, I love it. It's amazing. I think the ending's stunning. Um, but yeah, you guys are gonna love it. I, I can't wait. Um, so I just want to say thank you again, Lazarus, so much for being on. Um, this has been so much fun. Uh, hopefully we can get you on again for this season. Uh, it's, there's a lot going on on our end with stuff, getting everything yeah. set up. Cause, um, we've been talking from the first episode. I'm, uh, I'm about, I'm, I say I'm about to have a baby. My wife is about to have a baby. And so there is a very good chance there may be a short little break in the middle of the season. Um, but if we can definitely try to get you on, I would love to, but I know that you're also going to be touring, so we're going to try, but if we yeah, can't, man. man, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 listen, just, these are great. I'm in Brazil for September, and I'm in Spain for October, touring with the band, um, but after that, if you need anything, man, I'm always here. Um, yeah, whenever Chris isn't free, just give us a shout, man, I'd be more than happy to do it. Thank you, guys, listening, you know, it's been a pleasure being back, um, and yeah, man, listen, I just love this shit. We can just talk about Boardwalk for like a couple of hours. So what's not to love? So yeah, man, anytime you need, give us a call and I'll be here ready to do it, man. Oh, no, absolutely. Doing this is so much fun. And having you on it, I really like as well because you're being your, you're not in America and getting your perspective on certain things. I factor. love it. It really is. Yeah, it really is. Viewers from different continents. Like... I bet you're seeing a completely different side of things that I am, and I'm seeing some things. You know, I had no idea what you said about those um, the black colleges that they started establishing in the twenties. Like, I had no idea about that shit. Yeah. So, educating each other, learning about different cultures, man, it's it's great, and we all, and we get to do it whilst talking about one of HBO's greatest shows. So yeah, definitely. Pleasure, all right, so thank you again, and if y'all are listening, go and when does when's that album get released? Or has it been really? It hasn't been released yet, right? Right. No, we we released two singles, so it's with the Jack J Hutchinson band. 
Uh, we released the song Justified, and this week we released Haunted Bones. And then on October the 18th, we released a new album, uh, which you could say is a blend of Black Sabbath, Led Zeppelin, Zach Wild, and Neil Young. Um, all together, and that comes out October the 18th. So yeah, I mean, Jack J. Hutchinson, uh, Who Feeds the Wolf. Uh, nice. New album, October 18th. Yeah, man. Thank you. Can't wait for it. Thanks and for that plug. No, it's cool. I can get to get a bit of plugging in. Yeah, no. <laughs> hey, hey, whatever we can. Hey, we, we, we piss off followers, and so we're down to like two listeners, I think. But, I mean, <laughs> hey, maybe those two listeners can go out and buy the album. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, you too. Yeah, <laughs> uh, so we will be back in uh, the next episode, and I am going to mispronounce this. It is, I believe, Eric Onig. I do not Elkronig. know. And there we go. Elkronig. It's a German word, yeah. And when you when you look at the definition of it, make sure you look at it after the episode ends because it's a bit it's quite telling, yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm going to do that. Thank you. All right. <laughs> no worries, All right, Lazarus. <laughs> thank you so much for being on, and thank you very uh, much, we'll Cheers do a little. You. Yes, and we'll do a little bit of chin wagging next time. Let's do it, man. Yeah, thank you very much. Time to sing your song